can't touch this. You can't touch this. You can't touch this. You can't touch this. My, 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 my music hit me so hard. Makes me say, oh my lord, thank you for blessing me. What am I doing? And welcome to the Gen X Playback Show, your favorite show about the 70s, 80s, and 90s. We are the Brothers High. I am Scott. And I'm Sean. And you are listening to one of the truly great summer songs of what we're focusing on in this episode, part two, which is July 8th, 1990. You're listening to the great MC Hammer. You can't touch us from Please Hammer, Don't Hurt Him. So, did, were you aware of Hammer before this? Did you? Yes. Yeah. He had a, he had a song that was played on MTV. Like, turn this mother out. Yeah, I and like I, that song a lot. I, I that, that might be my favorite yeah, Hammer song. Is. There's a really funny episode of South Park. Okay, where they're like hanging out in the hot tub, okay. the, the adults, and they're playing "Turn the Mother Out." Really? Yeah, yeah, it's hilarious. I, you know, it's like the perfect song for a bunch of middle-aged guys sitting in a hot tub. South Park is is one one of those shows that I've never really <laughs> really gotten into, although. My boys, they they love. I don't watch South Park a lot, but I just happened to tune in that one time. Okay, so we're just going to recap where we're at with our with our top countdown songs that we played here from the uh, Gen X period of July eighth, nineteen ninety. So because there were some songs that weren't available on Spotify, we actually went from uh, starting at number forty three. So the the number forty three song by a very very famous band heart all i want to do is make love to you that was at number 43 number 42 another famous singer sir elton john with club at the end of the street and at number 41 was uh the famous la guns the, the famous la guns yeah. and i know sean really enjoyed with the famous phil lewis as the lead singer <laughs> and the album <laughs> no, no one thinks phil lewis is a famous lead singer the song was the ballad of jane and that was at number 41 Number 40 was again Heart off the same album Brigade. I don't I didn't want to need you was uh, climbing the charts while all I want to do is make love to you was going down the charts. Number 39 was Children of the Night by uh, the famous Richard Marks who was pretty much a, a dominant person on the charts at this point. Number 38 was Kiss This Thing Goodbye by Delamitri and number 37 Possession by the supergroup Bad English. Number 36 was Unskinny Bop by The Great Poison from uh, Mechanicsburg and uh, Carlisle, PA. Mm -hmm. Number 35, Sending All My Love by the band Linear. And that was a nice, uh, very popular dance uh, tune that was played on the radio in the summer of 1990. Number 34, Pure, Pure by the Lightning Seeds. That was at number 34. Number 33 was Notice Me by the artist Nikki. Number 32, Jerk Out Number 3 by The Time. Number 31, Epic by Faith No More. Number 30, Come Back to Me by Janet Jackson. Number 29, Could This Be Love by Seduction. Number 28, Sitting in the Lap of Luxury by Louie Louie. Number 27, The Humpty Dance by Digital Underground. Number 26, Bad of the Heart by George Lamont. Number 25, Hanky Panky 
by The Great Madonna. Number 24, If Wishes Came True by Sweet Sensation. Number 23, Vogue by Madonna. Number 22, You Just Heard It, You Can't Touch This by MC Hammer. And number 21, for off the Dr. Feelgood album, Don't Go Away Mad, Just Go Away by Motley Crue. So now, Sean, we're in the top 20. And another famous artist, particularly in the R&B field, he was somebody that was really part of that early New Jack swing, had a huge hit in the late 80s. And this was probably, although he's had a really long R&B career, this is probably the other, uh, you know, Billboard song that he's probably remembered for. I think I think this particular artist has one of the really standout voices of the New Jack Swing era. And I'm, I'm showing a blank on. Are you? Yeah, I am. Well, get, get, I mean, I I can picture the guy. I can picture the video. Yeah. Uh, it, it, his big hit from the late '80s was "I Want Her." I want her. Yeah, yeah. I'm thinking it's not K Sweat. Are you sure? Oh, okay. It's K Sweat. It's Keith Sweat. Yeah, yeah. No, it is Keith Sweat, and All right. the song is Make You Sweat. Yeah, that's right. That's because, I guess, yeah. I think when it comes to this particular sound, the New Jack Swing sound, uh, you know, Keith Sweat to me is like one of the first names that I think of. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's, he was, uh, he had one of, the, one of those voices again. For me, as soon as I hear him open up for the first time, it's like, yeah, that's Keith Sweat. Right. See, and, and here's an example of where I liked this style of music I never owned anything so when it wasn't on the radio I didn't hear it again okay alright so but no I, yeah, I agree with you I like Keith Sweats but, and, and he does have a, a very distinct voice sure does and he en- has ended up having a really really long and respected career um, won many many music awards for R&B and I'm going to emphasize this again as, as I already have I liked the New Jack Swing mm-hmm. and, and I was disappointed that it wasn't a genre that stuck around, that it, it was kind of short-lived. It kind of changed a little bit. Uh, you know, there was there was a group that came out a little bit after this, Tony, Tony, Tony. Oh, yeah. Uh, they were part of New Jack Swing. But it, it kind of, I guess, sort of veered off into a different direction because you had all these, I guess you call them boy bands and girl bands. Like, I thought they fit into the New Jack Swing sound was a, uh, was a girl group called Jade. Mm-hmm. And Jade was uh, was really really popular. Um, I guess you know when uh, TLC came out very shortly after this. Okay. They, I guess they started out as I guess you could consider them New Jack Swing, but then they kind of veered off more into hip hop. 
And I think that's kind of where the direction of the music sort of moved over to because of the success of, of a band like that, where they their their sound kind of changed just a little bit. And um, so I, I think you probably saw it go that direction. So I'm kind of glad you, you chose this year, 1990, because I really like that style. And it, it does change. And, and while I do like some of the music that came afterwards... I especially really was into this sound. All right, so that was number 20, Make You Sweat by Keith Sweat. Mm -hmm. Let's go to number 19 in a a band that probably isn't a top-level tier band, but a band that Sean and I really like nonetheless, One one of our favorites. Just for the title, and of course, you know this is Go West. This is this is their most popular song. I mean, it's from the Pretty Woman soundtrack. Yeah. Uh, you know, I, I you're, you're probably right. It's they're not at the top tier, but I I think as Gen Xers, most people are going to remember Go West. They you they are, and they ended up having like this album, Indian Summer. You know, we t- we try and bring up things that maybe. Gen Xers can go back and revisit. Go back and listen to the album Indian Summer. While it's not chock full of top, it's not a top to bottom album, but there's some really good, well written uh, pop songs on that on that album. My favorite being uh, the song Faithful. Mm-hmm. Oh I yeah, think that's a good a song. Great song. Yeah, I still listen to that one. Um, but there's 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 three or four songs that. I still like to listen to even to this day, but go back and listen to the album Indian Summer, okay. and this is the band Go West. And the, as you said, this is the song that they are best known for, and this was a huge soundtrack this, in in 1990. Was the Pretty Woman soundtrack uh, had some really cool music on? I think that was probably the LA sound. You know, we talk about New York, New Jack Swing being mm-hmm. on this chart, but that was probably the strongest competition. Would have been music off of that, like that Pretty Woman soundtrack, because that that had a lot of good music on it. It did. That was a top to bottom album. And Go West was a band that had a had a little run in the eighties, you know, with Call Me and We Close Our Eyes. I, I really like both those songs. Mm-hmm. And then they kind of went away, and this was a comeback for them. It was a comeback in the states. I mean, they were they were still really popular in the UK. They were real, still really popular. But I think in, they may have lost their record deal. I mean, it, at least in the, the they were not promoted at all in the U.S. They were not. Yeah, because I was. Were they part of Chrysalis? 
Because, think, Chris, because they Chrysalis been, went out of business. I think they, they were. And they had to find a new I mean, label. I'm saying it like I know for sure. <laughs> you know, out, out here for all our listeners to hear, I, I think so. Because I, I, I seem to remember that uh, Chrysalis had a lot of really popular bands. Like, I know they had Huey Lewis in the news. They had Pat Benatar. And I, I believe that uh, they were in financial difficulty. So, uh, Chrysalis, if you're listening, don't sue me. I'm not saying for sure. But anyway. So that was number 19, The King of Wishful Thinking from the band Go West. The album that it was on was Indian Summer. The soundtrack that it was included on was from the Pretty Woman soundtrack. And Sean, we may or may not hear that, another song from that soundtrack later on in this countdown. So well, that soundtrack was on my list of soundtracks when we did that episode. Right. So it will not shock me. And, and probably, you know, we, we had mentioned bands before, before and we mentioned uh, the Red Hot Chili Peppers. My favorite... Red Hot Chili Pepper song is on the Pretty Woman soundtrack. So, okay, uh, yeah. But um, let's go to number eighteen, and uh, I think I'm going to stump you on this one. All right, okay. So, consider yourself challenged. All right, I think you'll you'll have a hard time with this one. familiar with the song okay for the life of me i can't tell you who it is or what the title of the song is okay this is the follow-up hit to uh been around the world been around the world yeah. is that the- lisa stanfield uh, no <laughs> holy crap you got it is that lisa stanfield really stansfield stansfield yeah, yeah. yeah lisa stansfield you yeah because i was thinking when it started that it was that i've been around the world song right so this was her follow-up to it and Lisa Stansfield, uh, they made a big deal about her because she had one of those great soulful voices. There were, I just remember there were a lot of comparisons to Dusty Springfield from the 60s. Okay. Uh, you know, somebody that just had her, her being from over in the UK, and she had this unbelievably soulful voice. And I'm surprised her career didn't get bigger than what it was here in the US. I know she had a, she had a really good music career. Um, why why she's more or less remembered for these two songs right. that came out at this time, I would have thought she would have had a better career. Yeah, she was riding some momentum. It's kind of surprising. But, you know, that is the music business, right? I mean, sure. you, you get these these artists that just appear, and you think, oh, they're going to be huge. Yeah. And then, you know, like Terrence Trent Darby, and another example of an artist where I thought he was going to be big, and he was nothing. So did he. Yeah, right, I know. <laughs> Yeah. Didn't he say that his album was the greatest since the Beatles or something, uh, something like that? Like that yeah. yeah. All right. So that was number 18, You Can't Deny It, by Lisa Stansfield. Lisa Stansfield. How about and that? the album is called Affection. Let's go to number 17, and this is 
one one of my favorite New Jack Swing songs of all time. And Boy, we should have kept a tally of how many New Jack Swing songs were on this list. Yeah, and, and this is one of the few slow jams you're going to hear, but it's a great slow jam. This has between the sheets written all mm. over it. Yeah, it does. I'll give you the sun, the rain, the moon, the stars, and the mountains. I'll give you the world. And all that you wish for, and even more. So I, I don't know who it is. You don't know the name of the group? No. So the name of the group is called After Seven. Yeah, all right, kind of. I remember that. Uh, probably more famously is uh, Babyface's cousin oh. was this the one who has the, I guess, the, the high, uh, not the falsetto voice, but like the high, the high you know, um, yeah, tenor. Yeah, tenor. Yeah. So... Is this produced by Babyface? I think they were it, part of it. It kind of has that sound. It does, yeah. What's the name of the song? It's called Ready or Not. After Seven is another group that I... For the life of me, I just can't understand why they weren't more popular. You know, they had this one major hit song, and I remember they were a part of a soundtrack that was on a movie I watched on TBS one time, and and they were they were performing as like the background band in the movie, and they're they're playing original material. Then I'm like, this sounds every bit as good as what is what we're listening to right now it's like why weren't they more popular you can say that of a lot of groups though I guess right so is this song ever part of a soundtrack part of a movie it may have been I can't say it I sounds know. like it would have been yeah. from that era but this this was I remember very specifically that this this had a a music video that was played on MTV uh, they made a big deal about the fact that uh, you know Babyface's relative was a part of this group. Okay. But that didn't mean anything really in the long term because these guys stuck around for a long time. Hmm. Was, they weren't a gimmick because of being related to somebody famous. Right. See, now I don't re- remember the video at all. Yeah. So that was Ready or Not by After Seven at number 17. Let's go to number 16. And again, Sean, I dare you <laughs> to, to, come know, up with this? to come up with this song. All right. 
Well, I know the song. I remember it. Is the band De La Soul? It's a good guess. Oh. Because they were out at this time. Okay. Now it's one individual. Uh, then I don't know who it is. Okay. So he went, uh, the the name of the song is uh, Menta Rosa, and the artist is known as Mellow Man Ace. Yeah, never would have come up with that. Yeah, I vaguely remembered the song. But, but I do remember the song. Yeah, and I just, for the life of me, I, I could not remember the guy. But picture um, Lou Bega and Mambo Number no. 5. Remember how he had the hat yeah, and the yeah. cigar? So the actual album cover has the exact same look. He's got the hat and he's got a cigar in his hand. <laughs> uh, but he was he was known as kind of have a Latino sound. Well, I, I guess it stood out to me at the time because they covered the Santana song. You know, Evil Ways or whatever the title of that song is. Right. Yep. But uh, you know, this was this was a this was a big hit at number sixteen. So Mentorosa by Mellow Man Ace, and the album is titled Escape from Havana. Yeah, you're right. I wasn't coming up with that one. Yeah. The next song is a song title that we're going to hear more than once here from here to number one. And what so number are we at? We are at number fifteen. Okay. So I'm sure you will. Probably pick up on this one pretty fast. This was a huge song in 1990. Speed Wilson Phillips. Yeah, this was a huge song. It was. I'll share a little memory with you. So this is uh, obviously Hold On. Hold On by Wilson Phillips. Yeah. And what, what makes me, rem- reminds me of this song in this album is when your sister-in-law, my wife Amy, when we were dating, I mean, she's literally still in high school when, when this is out. And I remember one of her friends we're listening to the song and the, and the girls are just singing with their hearts out. Yeah. And the one girl goes, this song speaks to me. <laughs> okay. Well, I probably did. did. I, I've never forgotten that. Yeah. I just remember looking at her going, huh? <laughs> it, goes, it didn't speak to you at the time? Goes, oh, this song speaks to me. And I was just like, okay. All right. But so, I'm, yeah, it's just that, just that line just has always stood out to me. So Wilson Phillips was what? China? Carney? Yes. Um, and was the third one? 
and Wendy and Wendy will. I obviously looked it up. So, but the you know the two sisters and their friend. Their ch- these are these girls were friends from the time that they were young. Well, yeah, I mean they're they're the the daughters of you know the original rock and roll royalty. You know, it's the will you know from. Will, the Wilsons from, you know, Brian Wilson, right? Beach with Boys. Beach Boys. And, and then China Phil's from... From uh, Mamas and Papas. Mamas and the Papas. Sure. And both, both of their... Both sets of parents were known for some of the greatest harmonizing groups of their generation in the 60s. And here they come out and they're known for their harmonies as well. And believe it or not, uh, Carney, the, the, I guess the, the oldest sister of the Phillips... Yeah, you know, she was real, the one really responsible for putting the the harmony packages together for this particular album. So a lot of credit needs to go to her for that. So, but this album, this Wilson Phillips album, which was their debut, was absolutely uh, was huge. It, the album started to come out. I think "Hold On" is released in the I'd say early you know springtime, right before summer. And then it just ran through the entire summer of 1990. I mean, this really was part of the soundtrack of that particular time for Gen X was was the song Hold On because it does go to number one. Right. But that being said, <clears throat> your, I think my reaction would have been similar to your reaction when you heard it. So me sitting here today at age 55, I like that song. Mm-hmm. I think those harmonies are really good. I, and I think those are very you know the the lyrics are mature lyrics unfortunately back in 1990 i'm listening to unskinny bop by poison yeah you know i'm I'm not gonna lie that's that's what i was into and so i didn't appreciate the music like like i should have well i mean i don't know i was 22 at the time yeah and i have mentioned this before that when this when right around this time is i was still uh was working at a uh, sneaker store sporting goods store and my boss at the time, I remember having this, you know, this really passionate argument with him, where he's telling me that the Beatles are the greatest mm-hmm. band of all time, and I'm saying, yeah, but man, you know, you got Poison out there, you got Doctor Feelgood from uh, Motley Crue, and and he's just laughing at me, going, yeah. you you really have no idea what you're talking about. And Rat just re- released the Detonator album, but I mean, we were we were we were behind it, we were fully supportive, <laughs> right, of of that music, but. But, but, you know, and that's the thing where, you know, you grow up and you mature. And I, I can see now why, you know, people that would have been our age would have enjoyed that adult, easy, easy listening, soft rock, would have thought that Wilson Phillips was incredible. Sure. But at the time, you know, I'm not going to rewrite history. I was not a fan. Right. So that is Hold On by Wilson Phillips off their debut album, Wilson Phillips. And that is at number 15. Number 14 is really the launch of one of the biggest artists of the 90s. But at this point, we still don't really know much about them yet. So I don't think Sean will have a hard time picking this one out. Was waiting for me. It took so long. 
That's Mariah Carey. Correct. Said Vision of Love. Vision of Love, her very first hit. Yeah, she was really young at this point. Yeah, this is her debut album, Mariah Carey. She's still a teenager. <sighs> I mean, she's Close. She, I mean, she's very young. She's probably 19 or 20. Yeah. yeah. Uh, she very famously met her future husband when she was trying to hand her demo tape out. I guess she snuck into some record company party. And while Tommy Mottola, who was the president of CBS Records, was at this party, she somehow snuck her demo tape to him. And I guess he liked more than the demo tape because sure. they got married a few years later. So she was 21 Okay, when this came out. Yeah, so she was, she was definitely young. Um, I liked this. Yeah. I didn't, I, I didn't love it, but I didn't mind it back then. What I, re- what I remembered about Mariah Carey's kind of launch to the mainstream is she sang the national anthem I think at a basketball game or, and it was on NBC and so she sang the, the national anthem and it was so spectacular and the only thing uh, Bob Costas was doing the play by play for that game and you know how Bob kind of likes to fall in love with the cliches a little bit oh yeah and what stands out to me is he, after she's done doing this really amazing rendition, is as, as they're fading to commercial, all Bob Costas says is, a star is born. <laughs> you know, it's just <laughs> typical Costas, but yeah. uh, the album hadn't come out yet. So she did, it's like, boom, she does, she was formerly a backup singer for Brenda K. Star. I don't know if you remember Brenda K. I Star. Yeah. I Still Believe, which was a hit in 1989. So this is only a year later. Um, but, uh, you know, she does the All-Star game. I think it's the All-Star game. It might have been a playoff game. So she does the, the, the basketball game, sings a national anthem. And then this is released shortly right after. So it's like when I saw her picture on MTV, it's like I knew. I was like, oh, wow, that's, that's, the, uh, that's the girl that performed at the basketball game. And, and then this just took off. It was one of the... One of the greatest debut albums of all time. It had several number one hits on it. This being one of them, and this was the first. Uh, this was the first taste of one of the real Mount Rushmore artists of the 1990s. Sure. Now, she w- was was fortunate enough to get the the music machine uh, with her with Tommy Mottola behind her. I mean, that definitely helped it. But she had the talent. You know, I I think when we talked about our country artists. And we talk about Shania Twain, mm-hmm. you know, working with Mutt Lang. It was a it was a great um, you know partnership that where you had somebody with a lot of talent, and then you had that that person that can push the talent forward. Right. Because how many times do you hear artists say, "Oh, why did you know?" They they were like, "Why didn't you ever make it big?" And they're like, "Well, you know, the record company wouldn't get behind me. They they didn't promote me." Well, Tommy Mottola put a lot of resources behind Mariah Carey. Sure. But you know, she delivered the goods. She did, and she was immensely successful in, in particularly in the decade of the 1990s. She had uh, hit songs and albums all throughout mm-hmm. the entire decade. Sure. So 
That was the first one, Vision of Love by Mariah Carey, number 14. And off her debut album, Mariah Carey. Number 13. This is one of the biggest albums. It was the biggest album of this particular artist's career. And I would argue and say uh, it, it was on the charts for a couple of years. And this was towards the end of the run. But an immensely popular album for this artist. Ah, Michael Bolton. Michael Bolton. There's a distinct voice. It, it is. Here he goes. To fly again. Maybe hard, maybe hard, but I'll do it. When I'm back on my feet again. Yeah, I was not listening to this in 1990. I was not, but you know, this album is worth going back and checking out. It's really good. Okay. So the, the album is Soul Provider. One of my favorite songs, believe it or not, uh, my favorite Michael Bolton song is the title song, which is Soul Provider. Love that song. But it's this is a good album, especially for an older, more mature Gen Xer to go back and listen to. All right, I'll give it a and, try. And you can you can appreciate the songs more. Um, not only for the songwriting, but uh, for his voice. He really does have one of the great blue-eyed soul voices of his era uh you know certainly when you think about blue-eyed soul singers you know daryl hall Mm -hmm. comes to mind uh paul young comes to mind you know there's there's some great ones out there i i put his voice up with anybody's and michael bolden was seriously popular in 1990 oh yeah yeah it it it's kind of that two-edged sword in a way where you you, if I mean, when you lean into it the way Michael Bolton leaned into it and became super popular and, you know, he cashed in as much as he could, but then, much like Phil Collins, much like Lionel Richie, you, there comes a point where you just, it's oversaturated. Sure. And you get backlash. Yeah. So that was Michael Bolton, When I'm Back on My Feet Again. The album is Soul Provider. And there's a reason why Michael Bolton was kind of the punchline at the end of the decade in the movie Office Space. <laughs> that's right. So was. I mean, that's the the one character was Michael Bolton, and he hated being compared to the singer. He, he was quite angry when people <laughs> yes, were like, was. "The singer? Yeah, so. oh, that's my favorite singer. I, uh, boy, I just love that guy." <laughs> so that was number thirteen. When I'm back on my feet again, Michael Bolton, off of Soul Provider. Number twelve. It's funny you uh, that we have are having this conversation. Speaking of Phil Collins, exactly. But you know, with Phil Collins at this point, he had been away for a little bit. I mean, he was red, red, red hot in the '80s, and then here, you know, in '90, it's it's not quite as much. I don't think. You know, he altered the sound a little bit. I, 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 I didn't mind this even back then. I was somebody who liked Phil Collins. Yeah, I did too, because. I think throughout the decade, his his sound wasn't the same. You know, he had 
kind of a Motown sound at one point. This this is a little bit more bluesy. Yeah. You know, the album was But Seriously. You know, he wrote a song called Just Another Day in Paradise, which he won a Grammy for off of this album. But the rest of the al- the rest of the songs off of this album have a little bit more of this sound to them, which was very appropriate for the time being 1990. And also for his age. Yes. You know, he's... I- He's, he didn't stay at the party too long trying to be a rock star. So he's much like Rod Stewart, who did a great job of kind of transitioning into a, a, a singer that singing songs that were appropriate for his age. You know, this just fits where Phil Collins was. Sure. Yeah, so it's just funny that you had Michael Bolton and <laughs> Phil Collins go back to back. Sure. Number 13 and number 12. Is Lionel Richie next? No, he's not. No. Uh. The Lionel, the, the Lionel Richie train had, had stopped at that point. But maybe if you have a Rick, Richard Marks song. We did. I know, but maybe if that was the next one you're going to oh, play, okay. that would be connected. No, actually, the next song, which really surprised me that a hit that big is no longer uh, you know available on Spotify, and that is the next song, which is at number 11. So okay. think about it. A number 11 song that isn't on the, you know, you know that's something that you can necessarily get easily out there and it's it's a song and it's titled girls night out and the artist is tyler collins yeah i'm not I, i'm I, not picturing it or hearing it in my head you would remember the song if it's you know if we were able to play it on on this particular episode uh it's very much a new jack swing uh sound very similar to you know what we've already heard on this particular charts and it was a, it was a major hit for her. i think it ended up going to number six okay on the chart Tyler Collins, she released two albums, and then she ended up going behind the scenes and becoming a songwriter. And she actually had quite a quite a great um, songwriting career because not only did she work with artists like you know Prince and Celine Dion, um, I think she she worked with some pretty major acts in the in the nineteen nineties and two thousand. So, you know, somebody who who had. I guess she could look at at somebody she's writing a song for and say, you know, I had a hit song myself, you know, but she only released two albums and then went into songwriting. So that was Tyler Collins and Girls Night Out at number 11. Well, I'm going to listen to that one after we're done recording. Uh, So let's go to the top 10. And I think this is a strong top 10. I think um, to me, this, this is the meat and potatoes of these Billboard top one you know top 100 from july 8th 1990 and this really for me this is like this is the summertime and every one of these songs will immediately jump out at you i think you're gonna i think you're gonna like this a lot so let's go with number 10 
right Ricky Bell, and he can really hit the notes. So this is Belle de DeVoe. Sure is. With Poison. That's right. And, and it was the first song that they released off the album. It is. When they broke away from New Edition. The boys from Prospect Park in Boston, or Prospect Park in Boston. This this caught me by surprise. I mean, I, I was aware of New Edition. I yes. like New Edition. We were fans of New Edition. But these were the three backup singers. These were the three guys that didn't make a lot of noise. Yeah. Because you had Ralph Tresvant, who ended Same up going the on. solos, yeah. And, of course, Bobby Brown, mm-hmm. at this point, had the had the highest-selling album, 1989. Right. And then the other, you know, they come out as the other three, which is, you know, Ricky and Mike and Ronnie. Mm-hmm. And they come out with this band, Belva DeVoe, and they just take MTV by storm. I remember when I, when I heard this song for the very first time, I think in my lifetime, I think I only owned about maybe six or seven of those cassette single tapes. Remember those things? Yeah. You could buy them for like a buck. Yep. And it would have two, it would have a, you know, a side A, it would have one or two songs on, on each side. And I ran out and bought this one. For the song Poison. Yes. And on the on the flip side, it was a karaoke version. So it just, it had this, but it didn't have the lyrics on it. So you could sing along. <laughs> really? Yourself. Oh, yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah, I remember wailing to this in the car. Um, but yeah, this was it's a great album too. One of my favorite, uh, one of my favorite songs from this era, uh, 1990, being "Poisoned by Bell Bit Devoe. and a very memorable video. I mean, you kind of it starts out with the legs going across the screen. Oh, we're gonna uh, Biv's gonna rap here. So my favorite part of the song. Okay. What did he call them? <laughs> now I'm running the show. <laughs> now you know. Yo, slip low. Yeah. So, uh, Amy's friend who mentioned that Wilson Phillips spoke to her. <laughs> this song spoke to me back in 1990. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> I don't know what it was saying, but. <laughs> me and the crew used to do it. So that was number 10. Uh, Poison by Belbiv DeVoe off of their Poison album. So let's go to number nine, another major, major hit for the summer of 1990. Like a shovel rhyme, double on a heavily level, bang the brakes, turn up the trouble. Radical mind, day and night, all the time. 714, fly, divine, maniac, radiac, quit of the game. I'm the lyrical Jesse James. Well, the songs I Got the Power. Mm-hmm. I, I, I'm kind of drawing a blank on the artist. So the, the group is called Snap? Yeah, that's right, that's right. And, yes. You know, Snap had a bunch of club hits, this being the first one. Uh, you know, Snap originally coming from the UK, and they kind of brought their version of club music. And I think club music in Europe was a little bit more advanced than club music in the United States. We were a little slow to the game, and so Snap was really big over there. And then this was like their first song mm-hmm. in the states, and I just remember it hit. 
is like it, it was one of those songs that you, you hear it in the club is like the way that they threw that bass line in there and it just thudded off your chest. I loved it. Oh, I remember this dancing is, this to this is a one great, at the club. Great sure. song to dance to at the club. The name of the album is called World of World Power, and this is Snap Exclamation Point, and the song is The Power. This song was included in a lot of movies. Yeah, you, know, you think of the, the one that stands out to me uh, that I think of off the top of my head is in Bruce Almighty with Jim Carrey. Didn't see it. Okay, so when uh, uh, when God gives him all of his powers, so he's walking like strutting down the street, dancing to "I've Got the Power," and he and he starts like using his fingers and like. Uh, you know, making the the fire hydrant explode and okay, uh, you know, it's just. But he was dancing to the song, which right. I thought was really funny. So, I mean, I don't know if this other song will appear in your your list, but to me, it's kind of similar to like the KLF. Uh, you know, right. that it was and because the, the KLF was out of London and, and KL, it, yeah, but you're right that that, that it's that kind of dance club th- sound that for the first time is now kind of coming over to the U.S. Right, exactly. So that was the the snap of the power at number nine. Another European band, very big. I uh, just recently, within the last few years, went into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. So we're talking to Pesh Mode? Correct. So they're in the Rock Roll Hall of Fame. They are. Oh, didn't know that. They just went in about three years ago, I think. Okay. Uh, the song is Enjoy the Silence. Mm-hmm. The album is Violator, which I believe is their most popular U.S. album. Is that the one that had Personal Jesus yes. on? Yeah. Yeah. So Depeche Mode had always been extremely popular in the U.K., in Europe. They had some success in the United States. I think up to this point, probably their best charting hit would have been considered People Are People yeah. from like 1985. Right. Which, so, which, by the way, you know, Scott and I talk about our summertime job at the Water Buggy, the Water Buggy Water Slide, and they would play music, and that song was played. Right. <clears throat> and we had a co-worker who looked just like the lead singer from Depeche Mode <laughs> by the name of Mike Skillman. Mike Skillman, yeah. yeah. So, Mike, if you're listening out there, I, you know, it'd be awesome if you still looked like that guy. Um, Mike was hilarious. I, Mike and one of the owner's kids, Brad, they were like, uh, you know, like this great duo and they always seem to get in trouble or <laughs> do the wrong thing and they were just so lovable guys <laughs> right like the time when they struck gold and found a case of beer <laughs> behind the uh the, the miniature golf shed and they were so proud of themselves and they just said we're gonna drink it and i mean it, when i say it was scalding hot from the sun 
<laughs> they were, but it was beer, and they were going to yeah. drink it. That was Skillman and, and Brad Harton. Yeah. Anyway, um, so that was number eight. Enjoy the silence by Depeche Mode, and that was the album Violator. Um, band again being very well represented with a solo act, and this is number seven. I think that is Washington, D.C.'s own Johnny G, Johnny Gill. Johnny Gill. With Rub You the Right Way. You you opened an episode with the song. I did. And Johnny Gill being the replacement for Bobby Brown in New Edition. And so, again, you've got you've got Johnny Gill from New Edition. You've got Velvet DeVoe from New Edition. Um, yeah, this is where the New Edition, I guess, brand where these guys were probably right around or at the height of their popularity mm-hmm. because, you know, Ralph Tresvant has, uh, you know, his album coming out, Sensitivity. Bobby Brown's getting to release his, his next album. and But yet they were kind of, they were still friends. They were doing things. I remember a very famous episode of them hanging out on the couch all together on BET. I was thinking that exact same thing. And they were probably... They were probably at this point the coolest, coolest yeah. band in America. Yeah. So that was "Rub You the Right Way" by Johnny Gill, off his. It's not his debut album because he actually released uh, albums before New Edition, but this was his first album after he had joined New Edition, and it was titled "Johnny Gill," at number seven. Number six, you know, we had mentioned the uh, the Pretty Woman soundtrack and, and how instrumental it was for for music in nineteen. 19- 90 this was another song off of that probably the biggest hit off of the pretty woman soundtrack
that would be Rock Set. Very good. Must have been love. From Sweden. Two very popular solo acts in Sweden, for whatever reasons, decide to get together and make an album. Oh, I didn't know the history. Yeah. I just knew it was this guy and this gal, and he was, they were like as popular as ABBA was back in the day. They were the tops, like the top male singer in Sweden <laughs> and the top female singer in Sweden. And they decided to get together. Okay. And they released this album. comes out in the United States. And it's a major success. They had two albums uh, with this soundtrack song sandwiched in between. And from 1989 in through 1991, you know, Rockset was as big as any group mm-hmm. in the United States. Yeah, sure. So this is, it must have been Love off the Pretty Woman soundtrack at... Number six. And you know, that song still holds up pretty sure well. Does. I mean, yeah, while does. I prefer the Go West song a little bit, I that's still good. I still like that. Yeah, and th- that you say that, Sean, uh, you know, Pretty Woman, the movie, I think, still holds up pretty well. Yeah, it does. And I think a lot of that has to do with the fact that it's a Gary Marshall movie. I think, you know, Gary Marshall had, you know, a gift at kind of, even though things may have been kind of dated for but the storyline mm-hmm. remains untouched you know it remains it's not dated it's not uh, it doesn't run out of um relevance to whoever's watching it. right the clothes the cars the you know the lack of technology it sure it it, ver- it definitely dates it to late 80s early 90s yes but you know it's it's kind of a timeless story yep so that was number six it must have been love from Roxette. All right, Sean, top five. Now we're going top five. All right. And we're going to kick off. Now, we just listened to a, a good song from a good movie. Mm-hmm. How about a good song from an awful movie? Ah, okay. even better. All right, here we go. I'll give you the artist. It's Billy Idol. Yes. It's Rock the Cradle of Love. Yes. The movie is Fort Fairlane. Yes. Starring Andrew Dice Clay. Yes. Which I unfortunately saw in the theater. I remember you seeing that in the movie theater. I did not see it in the theater. And man, was it bad. I think I didn't see it in the theater because you came back. With such a glowing review. You were so disappointed. Yeah, I was, I was, you know, I, I liked the Dice Man. You know, he was like the the most popular comedian at the time. He was. And, and I was psyched for it. And yeah. It, and it was horrible. Well, there weren't many people other than you that actually saw it in the movie theater. I, I went and looked up the, uh, you know, if you look up the movie on Wikipedia, it'll tell you what how much the movie cost and how much it did in, in box office. I don't think it made $20 million. And most of that probably was the first weekend. I'm sure it was. Because people like me went and saw it that first weekend and then went back and told everybody how bad it was. <laughs> and MTV put some pretty heavy uh, promotion behind this too. Remember, yeah. you could win a 1957 Ford Fairlane on MTV. Okay. They were having a contest. Yeah. And that was the car that he used in the movie. 
that was also named, you know, Fort Fairlawn. You, so. you couldn't say that movie. It was terrible. Uh, it was. It might have been a career killer for Andrew Dice Clay. I think at least it for did the set moment. him back for a while. It did. Yeah. But, all right, getting to the song. Yeah. Good song by Billy Idol. Sure. Yeah, he's a guy who had kind of been away for about four years at this point. Three, three or four years. Right. He, he had the... Whiplash Smile came out, I th- was it 86? I think it was 86. Yeah, and so he... Just four years. Yeah. I th- he had that live album. He had the live album. And Mo- uh, Mo- Money Money was on that, and they did do a video for it. So he wasn't completely away, but he wasn't really coming in, out with anything new. Well, and then uh, right before they were ready to shoot the video for this song, he got in a really bad motorcycle accident. Right. Almost oh, yeah, died. Exactly. Almost died. Uh, really messed his leg up. Mm-hmm. So that's why they decided to shoot the video the way they did. Where just his face. He's in the painting, remember? Yeah, right. And so it's just from the chest up, which you know was clever, and it was a memorable music video. Mm-hmm. It's a girl dancing around. She goes over to a guy's house, and is just dancing along to the song. But... Um, yeah, I mean the guy. The, the guy literally almost died uh, after after making the song. So, number five, "Cradle of Love" by Billy Idol, and the album I think was appropriately named "Charmed Life." Sure. So, that was number five. Number four is by a singer who has been around for, for you know, since has been around for for quite a while. This would have been her second album. That was released in, during this time, and she was a big name during during this uh, time of summer, nineteen ninety. Taylor Dane? Very good. I almost didn't come up with it. Well, you're right. Taylor Dane was big. She had uh, one of the more powerful voices mm-hmm. for, for a female singer. I put right up there with Ann Wilson from Heart in her prime. Uh, Taylor Dane was... was I, that's what stands out to me is her... Not only her range as a singer, but she just... She seemed like somebody that could put the microphone down and just basically scream it out to the crowd and they'd hear her. She had a really powerful voice. Well, I think, I mean, she kind of came up in that club circuit. Yeah, she's originally, I think she grew up in, she was born in New York City, but I think she grew up in Long Island. And she said that she played probably every bar in Long Island. And uh, there's something to be said about that. I remember David Lee Roth talking about that uh, when he briefly had his show on... um, 
on radio. And when Scott says briefly, it was like briefly. It was a few months. Uh, it wasn't long. But he, you know, he told he told a story about there's something to be said about an artist who has pounded the pavement for years. Yeah, because they they are so self assured with their voice and what they present to a crowd that it it makes them better. Uh, you know, like that's why debut albums back then were so successful because a lot of these guys were sitting on the, this material and playing this material for a number of years. And I, you know, Taylor Dane was somebody who really did pay her dues. She was probably doing the bar circuit for about five years before she got a record deal. And I, I've heard it said uh, that that's one of the problems today with a lot of music is artists don't get the opportunity to go out there and work on it and play it live and get you know feedback from the fans because everything gets recorded. Right. And so you would have a, a major act that you know they may they may slip a new song in there that hasn't been released yet just to kind of you know work on it and when you um, you know with, like with Taylor Dane's situation you know she definitely was primed and ready when she finally hit the big time sure yeah so that was our number four song I'll Be Your Shelter from Taylor Dane and the album is called Can't Fight Fate now we're in the top three and this next song has already been used before all right in this countdown so the same same title but a pretty different sound okay see if sean can remember who the group is i'll tell you right now it's en vogue with you're never going to get it um oh with the titles wrong titles different oh yeah Another song, never gonna get it. That was Just the. Hold on. That was the next album. Gotcha. Yeah. So this was their uh, debut album called Born to Sing. Mm-hmm. And you're right, it was in Vogue. And they were the darlings of MTV. I remember. Sure. I remember them being on uh, Club MTV with Downtown Julie Brown. And that was really the first time I saw them. And they, one of the few acts that actually didn't lip sync on Club MTV. I'm pretty sure they did it a cappella and okay. did it live. They, they they were known for amazing voices and yeah, I'm sorry, I just can't I'll never get it out of my my brain is from the show In Living Color when Jamie Foxx um, what was her he played the, the female character that nobody liked um, Chantal or something or- but Part of one of the stories was that he was the fifth member of In Vogue. <laughs> really? And it was the Never Gonna Get It song. And Wanda, her name was Wanda. All right. So he played Wanda, and, and that Wanda was the missing uh, member of In Vogue and just shows up at a hotel, like climbing through the window. And they're like, oh no, Wanda's here. I'll never, I'll never forget I, that. I didn't say that one. Look that up on, look that up on YouTube because when they, when they do the, uh, the chorus, 
it's worth it. Trust me, it's worth it. it didn't Envo, weren't they known as like the Funky Divas or something at one time? It was. That was actually the name of their second album, okay. which I owned. I, Based on the success of this album, Born to Sing, I, I bought the uh, the second album, which was Funky mm-hmm. Divas. I like was, this sound. And that was incredibly successful. As sure. Well. But this is number three, Hold On, by the group In Vogue. Number two, this is another one that, You'll recognize the song, and I'll give you I'll give you major props if you can guess who the artist is. This was this was a big hit. So that's a cameo by Bobby Brown right there. You are correct. Is this an artist that was popular at another time? He had a hit previously. 1987, he had a song that was called Nothing's Gonna Change My Love For You. It was a slow song. Mm. And then he ends up coming out with this song, which is which is hugely popular. I, the, the, I t- oh, I, yeah, I remember the song. The, the dance uh, station Hot 105.7 played this all the time. Heavy rotation. Yeah, I, I, I'm not going to come up with it. All right, so the... The artist's name is Glenn Medeiros. Sure, yeah, all right, yeah. yeah. Uh, and as you yes. already correctly pointed out, the the guest performance is a rap by Bobby Brown, mm-hmm. another member of New Edition well, on this chart. So we've had everybody but Ralph Tresvant on, on this chart, unless Ralph comes in number one, which I don't think he does. Well, um, his song Sensitivity comes out just a little bit later than the other guys. Okay. So it's not, it hasn't yet to hit, hit the charts. Mm-hmm. seems happy about you know the girl not being good enough for him but <laughs> right you know so it was a happy time right well and you know it's funny you said because that's exactly what i was thinking you know i was thinking the lyrics don't really line up with, with the with the beat and everything that's happening because you're kind of bopping along and smiling and but it's kind of sad a little bit well he doesn't he's not sad about it he's, well he's, he's not kind, sad he's kind of like good riddance yeah. you know um but that was our number two song she ain't worth it by glenn Medeiros with a cameo rap by bobby brown Brings us to the number one song. The number one song in America mm-hmm. on July 8th, 1990 is not going to be a surprise to anybody. Probably the most, one of the most popular step acts in the world. I think I played this one not too long ago. For our sibling band episode. Correct. Be the new kids on the block with Step by Step. Step by Step. Ugh.
fresh off the major success of the album Hangin' Tough. So Hangin' Tough was so popular and so successful that the band's manager, Marie Starr, was able to re-release albums that, that they made before Hangin' Tough. And they went platinum the second time around. So I, they had that. They released a Christmas album in the, uh, the winter of 1989. And now 1990 comes out, they have this new album, and it goes like straight to number one. And this was, you said, July 8th? July 8th, 1990. So the day that my brother turns 19 years old, this was number one. That is correct. Yeah. Yep. And, you know, Sean had mentioned before, you know, told a story about there was a time when we're all hanging out. We, we had the same group of friends. They were all varying ages, like from my friend's age to Sean's age. This was about three-year difference. But this is pretty, I would say, pretty healthy sized crowd. Yeah. And there's probably about maybe anywhere from eight to 12 guys that at any point we would all get together and hang out. Mm-hmm. So we decided to go hang out at this restaurant. And on a Saturday night, they did have, they had like a little dance area, a little yeah. dance floor. And the funny thing about our friends at Sean will laugh when I say this is they had a tendency to, they, they could be really outgoing, but whenever there were girls around, they yeah. would be super shy. Yeah. Like, no, 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 I'm not talking to her. No, no, no. Well, needless to say, Sean, Sean and I didn't necessarily have that shyness. Um, so, like, when it came to, like, dancing and stuff, we didn't care. Right. And we were we were having fun because... We can have lots of fun. <laughs> because of the video. This is a really memorable video of them dancing. And, you know, you hand it to the guys because they, they did cool, good choreography. Sure. But the famous scene is them dancing on the stairs. And Sean and I basically tried to recreate that. Because <laughs> there were stairs there. And there were stairs there. Yeah. And um, I don't I don't know if it was any good, but people clapped for us. They appreciated the And action. it wasn't our friends that clapped. Yes. Yeah, so, oh, because so they were mortified that we got out there and did they, this. They, they ran away. They ran away. But there was like a group of, I don't know, 10, 12, like people girls mostly that stood there and they actually applauded a little performance that we did so yeah it was just it was just funny because that would happen from time to time that you know we would we would hang out at somebody's house and they would pull out like a microphone and everybody would be singing <laughs> into it and then somebody would secretly turn the volume off yeah and er, and like people would jump away from the microphone except two people <laughs> we'd lean and, into it and you could oh yeah you could, <laughs> you could always you could only imagine who those two people were yeah so um but yeah that was uh that, what a great, uh, what a great time for, for, for music. And I think Sean, wouldn't you agree that that's a pretty strong top ten? That is, that is. And I mean, it's kind of, it's kind of nice that um, turning nineteen for you that you you have such a strong countdown that you can kind of go back to. Because I know you like to go back and and do birthdays and yes. and and pull what was popular at the time. That is a very strong uh, countdown. It is, and in those. What I think one of the things that I like a lot about it is you instantly recognize the songs from from like a top ten, or, or pretty much twenty or twenty five of these forty songs. Like you instantly recognize them, but then the other ten or fifteen songs you like, man, I haven't heard that sure. song in such a long time, and it gives people an opportunity to go back and revisit music that they may have completely forgotten about. And and I would say that. You know, listening to that that countdown, there was nothing on there that today I despise. 
you know, yeah, that so I would not, you know, have been fine with you playing every song all the way through. Would you say, you know, you wouldn't really say, oh man, I'm so tired of that song. Right. And I, I think a lot of that has to do with the, there's been so much attention paid to the, the 80s. Mm-hmm. And we do it too. I mean, we're, sure. we're guilty of doing the same thing, but, uh, you know, that 1990, 1991, um, you know, 90s are, are really remembered for for grunge in the in the early earlier 90s and then there was this explosion of like boy bands and there there was some really good music that came out towards the end of the oh, decade. Oh yeah. But that two-year period 1990-1991 you don't really hear a huge amount of music like that being being redone or replayed to, in today's on today's formats. And it truly was a great time. I mean it in a way it was a continuation of the 80s. Because uh, you know it just had just ended, but it was different. So the fashion is starting to change. But what I really liked about the fashion at that time was lots of big colors, yeah. big collars, big shirts. It's you know it's you think it back to the Fresh Prince Prince of Bel Air. Yeah. I mean, Will rocked a lot of the the style. You talk about the show Living Color. That was kind of what was happening. Yeah, there was there was a. You know, athletic wear was starting to become really popular. Sneakers were becoming huge. You know, in the early 80s, early to mid 80s, uh, you know, sneakers weren't quite, they weren't necessarily a fashion statement. You know, Run DMC might have been the very first, uh, you know, hip hop group to because of Adidas. Yeah. And that was really the first time I remember, I, I remember Converse, but they all looked the same. It was like, you know, Larry Bird had a Converse show, shoe with, with, you know, the green star on it because he played for the Celtics. Dr. J had the red star because he played for the Sixers. Magic Johnson had a yellow star because he played for the Lakers. And But they all looked exactly the same. Mm-hmm. And it really wasn't until Michael Jordan came out with Air Jordans that people started to look at sneakers as more of a fashion trend. But I think by this time period, 1990, it's really going full strength at, the, at that point. I remember because you know working in a in a sporting goods store and selling sneakers myself, how how um, influential having somebody endorse your sneaker brand could be. I mean, MC Hammer almost single handedly kept British Knights in business. That's true. Uh, him and Derek Coleman. <laughs> Derek Coleman, <laughs> but, what, a, what a sour guy. <laughs> but you know, you know, it was BK and LA Gear. Or, or some of the sneak, but it's like um, that stuff was becoming to coming to the forefront. You said about the bright colors, and it was it was really unique. You can look at TV or movies, or, or and you can see the way that they're dressed, and you could pretty much pinpoint all right that that's early nineties. Yeah, sure. sure. Go back and watch an old kid and play movie, mm-hmm. and which know, I did last week. Oh, did you? Yep, yep. House it, party was on. Yeah, so you know it's it's. It's kind of wearing not quite the bib overalls, but they're kind of like the the, the shorter bib overalls. But you got one strap on your shoulder, but the other one's down. And yeah, you know, typically, you know, you're wearing a, a long sleeve shirt with the with the collar buttoned at the very top. You know, you're not showing a whole lot of skin. Uh, you know, unless unless you're wearing like the the muscle shirts. Yeah. You know, you had you had yeah, we we did a lot of that. You had you went from one extreme to the other, but. To, a lot of times when you would dress up and go to a club, you, you had a long sleeve shirt on and long pants. You right, know? yeah. Because I remember if you wanted to show off the jewelry, you wore it on the outside of the shirt. Yep. Because you were buttoned up or you yep. had, I mean, sometimes like a, a, a turtleneck or yeah. some type of mock tur- turtleneck on. 
Yep, that's that's exactly. But right. no, I'm I'm glad you picked that. There was a fun, happy time that you're right does get overlooked. So I'm just gonna run quickly run down the uh, the final twenty, the top twenty of our Billboard top uh, one hundred or top forty. So at number twenty was "Make You Sweat" by Keith Sweat. Number nineteen was "King of Wishful Thinking" by Go West. Number eighteen was "You Can't Deny It" by Lisa Stansfield. Number 17, Ready or Not by After 7. Okay. Number 16 was Mentorosa by Mellow Man Ace. Number 15 was Hold On by Wilson Phillips. Number 14 was Vision of Love by Mariah Carey. Number 13, When I'm Back on My Feet Again by Michael Bolton. Number 12, Do You Remember by Phil Collins. Number 11, Girls Night Out by Tyler Collins. Number 10, Poison by Belle Biv DeVoe. Number 9, The Power by Snap. Number 8, Enjoy the Silence by Depeche Mode. Number 7, Rub You the Right Way by Johnny Gill. Number 6, It Must Have Been Love by Roxette. Number 5, A Cradle of Love from Four Fairlane by Billy Idol. Number 4 is I'll Be Your Shelter by Taylor Dane. Number 3 is Hold On by In Vogue. Number two is She Ain't Worth It by Glenn Medeiros featuring Bobby Brown. And the number one song in America on July 8th, 1990 is Step by Step by NKOTB, known back then as New Kids on the Block. And covered brilliantly by the Brothers High. <laughs> All right. So that is, uh, that's my episode. That's um, in the books. And Sean, you're going to take over for next time. I am. So thanks for that episode, Scott. It was nice to, uh, you know, kind of test my memory on some of those bands and, and go back again. But so now we're going to, we're going to move away from music just for a little bit. It, we've been doing a lot of music lately and we need to do some movies. Okay. So I want to combine kind of, you know, uh, two of our loves. We you know we obviously love the cinema, so we love the movies, but we also love sports. Mm-hmm. And there were a lot of sports movies in the Gen X era. So come up with a list. Uh, we don't need to necessarily rank them from one to uh, or you know twenty to one or whatever you come up with. But let's come up with a list. You know we're going to have much like when we came up with our country singers. There's there's going to be movies throughout three different decades. Mm-hmm. So we'll kind of touch on that and kind of like group them. You know seventies, eighties, and nineties, and uh, we'll touch on our favorite sports movies throughout the gen x era awesome uh, i think i already have a partial list together okay for that, so all right we, we'll be ready to go with that one so favorite sports movies of the gen x era looking forward to it so all right um thanks sean for your participation here on name that tune you you always seem to blow it out of the park so congratulations on winning that uh, means i did not have a life you win at, the, at that time so you, you win the gen x playback at home game <laughs> um, thank you and a lifetime supply of turtle wax car car wax so mm-hmm. uh, congratulations for that but thanks again for listening everybody we we always have fun putting these episodes together and and getting uh, reactions and and just getting new listeners all the time. So and as you know, Scott, we have moved up to number eight on the Feedspot top list of Gen X uh, podcast. That's right. So you know, don't keep this podcast to yourselves. Tell a friend. And we want to grow our family and grow our community and and share some great memories from a great time period. Was we feel you know the best time period of the particularly the twentieth century. Uh, you know, the 70s, 80s, and 90s. And, you know, we like to share that with you. And uh, we'd like to share it with just about everybody we can. So tell a friend and, and uh, 
have them jump onto the Gen X Play. Sure, YouTube. like, subscribe, uh, give us a good rating uh, if you would be so kind. But we're we're growing this thing, and it's only because of our listeners out there because we certainly do a terrible job of marketing, Scott. <laughs> so true. it's 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 amazing to us that you, our loyal listeners, have picked up on this, and we are so thankful for that. That's right. So we're going to let the uh, new kids on the block help us take it home for this particular episode. And I think uh, they're coming back into uh, doing another tour that I'm sure my wife Amy will mm-hmm. be going on because, uh, you know, as, as you know, Donnie Wahlberg, uh, my wife will leave me for you. So uh, should be uh, should be another fun time with the new kids on the block tour. There you go. All right, everybody. New kids take it home. Thanks for listening. We are the Brothers High. I'm Scott. And I'm Sean. And we'll talk to you then. See ya. See ya.